0: Welcome to Holocaust Holocaust Histories. The podcast featuring mind-boggling stories from the Holocaust. Remarkable tales of heroism and horror that are guaranteed to amaze you. Season Season one. one. In the prime of their lives and careers, boxers' dreams are snatched and replaced by nightmares. Boxing is no longer for money and pride, but for bread scraps and survival. Fighting now takes place in concentration camps. The winner lives another day. The loser is killed. Dive into the astonishing stories of boxers' resilience and courage in the face of incomprehensible terrors. Each episode features a boxer with a different nationality and a unique experience during the Holocaust. Some will live, some will die. They will all fight to survive. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend. You can send any questions, corrections, and comments to holocausthistories at gmail.com. This episode contains graphic descriptions and sensitive subject matters. Listener discretion advised. Our lives are fashioned by our choices. First we make our choices, then our choices make us and Frank. Italian Jew Pacifico di Consiglio was the epitome of courage and tenacity during World War II. In spite of Italian fascism, led by dictator Benito Mussolini, as well as German Nazis occupying Italy, Pacifico remained assertive. He was increasingly infuriated by the discrimination he and other Jews faced. He was angered to the point of provocation, where as a wanted and hunted Jew, he became the hunter himself. As a defiant and dauntless 17 year old, he trained in boxing and began to protect the Jewish community from Italian and German oppressors. A combination of luck and brilliance allowed him to escape captivity in remarkable fashion on numerous occasions, only to thrust himself back into action. This is a story of bravery and resilience, the story of Pacifico, Pacifico de, Consiglio. de Consiglio. 1921 was an eventful year. The province of Northern Ireland was created within the United Kingdom. The Tulsa Race Massacre occurred, Insulin was discovered by University of Toronto biochemists. The first ever radio broadcast of baseball, White Castle opened in Wichita, Kansas, and Gucci was founded in Florence, Italy. Charlie Chaplin's film, The Kid, is released. The National Fascist Party was founded in Italy. The Russian famine began, ultimately killing 5 million people, and Hitler became the Fuhrer of the Nazi Party, which was founded the year prior. A lesser known event would also take place the same year. Pacifico di Consiglio was born on June 10th in Rome, Italy. He was fatherless and quite poor. He lived in the Jewish quarter of Rome. In 1910, Italian Jew Luigi Luzzatti became the 20th Prime Minister of Italy. Italy now had one of the world's first Jewish heads of government. The mayor of Rome from 1907 to 1913 was Ernesto Nathan, also a Jew. He was the first mayor of Rome who did not belong to the land-owning elite, which had controlled politics in the city. He was motivated by a deep belief in the importance of a secular and ethical political system. At the end of World War I, around 450,000 Italian troops and another 600,000 civilians were dead. 5,000 Italian Jews were conscripted to the Italian army, about half of them served as officers. This was due to the higher level of education among Italian Jews. 420 were killed or went missing in action, and 700 received military decorations. November 11, 1918, World War I officially ended, as Germany signed an armistice with the Allied forces. At the end of the war, Italian soldier Benito Mussolini was discharged from the military. He fought two battles in 1915 and spent about nine months in trench warfare, where he contracted paratyphoid fever. He recovered and was promoted to the rank of colonel. In February of 1917, Mussolini was wounded by an accidental explosion of a mortar bomb in his trench. It left him with more than 40 shards of metal in his body. He arrived at the hospital and was not discharged until August. He then served as the editor-in-chief of Il Popolo d'Italia, a newspaper publication he created. It featured anti-Semitic articles that were published and written by him. The three frequent themes were Jews in Fascist Leadership, Jews in Finance, and Zionism. Nevertheless, he proclaimed he had no problems with the Jewish people. At the beginning of 1918, Mussolini called for the rise of a man ruthless and energetic enough to make a clean sweep to revive Italy. The following year, he labeled socialism as a failure and abolished it. Mussolini promoted a fascist ideology, such as the state being the ultimate end, opposition to democracy, and egalitarianism, the idea that all people are equals. He wanted to militarize Italy by creating warriors. He stated in a speech, When dealing with such a race as Slavic, the inferior and barbarian, I would say we can easily sacrifice 500,000 barbaric Slavs for 50,000 Italians. On March 23, 1919, Mussolini reformed Italy's fascist group, the Milan Fascios, to the Italian combat squad. It consisted of 200 members. Fascism was on the rise, and Mussolini was gaining followers in Italy. He organized a paramilitary group called the Squadrismo, also known as Action Squads. They would later become known as Black Shirts. Dressed in black, they viciously attacked groups that opposed their views. Socialists, Catholics, Communists, Slavs, and many other groups. Thousands of squads were organized and sent to Trieste and other parts of northern Italy. Each squad consisted of about 40 members, usually led by former army officials. By 1921, the year when Pacifico was born, there were 19 Jewish senators out of an estimated 350. However, fascism was growing. 207 political killings occurred around the election period, which took place on May 15th, 1921. Between 1921 and 1923, over 3,000 people were killed by the squadrismos and political action. On October 24, 1922, the National Fascist Party held a rally in Naples, Italy, in front of 60,000 militants. It was led by their leader, Benito Mussolini. Fascists from around Italy gathered to cheer their leader. He stated in a speech, Our program is simple. What we want now is the greatness of the nation, both materially and spiritually. We want to rule Italy. I see fascism concentrating all these energies, purifying certain circles and removing certain members of society, gathering others under its standards. The demonstration is an end in itself and cannot turn into a battle. But I say to you with all solemnity that the moment requires, either we will be given the government or else we must take it by marching on Rome. Mussolini wanted to replace the current Prime Minister, Luigi Facta, a member of the Liberal Party. He would do it by any means necessary. He traveled from Naples to Rome the day after his speech and appointed people to lead a planned march in Rome. They gave a name to the event, the March on Rome. The event took place on October 28, 1922. Mussolini and the black shirts attempted to overthrow the current government the march accumulated some 30,000 people, consisting of about 25,000 black shirts. At the time, there were around 200,000 members of the Squadrismos. Mussolini had gathered strong support from Italians, especially the military. He also had support from the right wing and the business class. The National Fascist Party had 590 Jews on record at the march, but many Jews left the party the same year. The Italian prime minister, Luigi Facta, ordered a state of siege, which allowed him to pass laws in a hurry. However, the king of Italy, Victor Emmanuel III, refused to sign. On October 29, 1922, the king removed Facta from power. Mussolini was now in charge. The march was a success. Hitler was greatly inspired by this event. Around this time, he said Mussolini was his only real friend. December 17th, 1922, communist militant and tram worker Francesco Prato killed two fascist party members in self-defense. The event took place in Turin, in northern Italy, where there was a fairly large resistance. The next day on December 18th, 1922, about two months after Mussolini took over, the Turin massacre occurred. It was in retaliation to Prato's killings. A local labor group was attacked by Blackshirts and other Italian fascists. The labor group opposed fascism. They consisted of working-class men and women who formed a paramilitary organization of their own. They staged uprisings and had a communist and socialist newspaper called Le Ordine Nuovo. The fascist party led by Italian soldier and squadrismo leader Piero Brandemart took revenge on the labor group by burning down the trade union headquarters. They also burned down L'Ordine Nuovo and attacked another two social party clubs. Some of the writers and editors of the newspaper were rounded up in Central Park. They continued to detain communist, socialist, and trade union members. During the night. Prato's house was raided, and he was killed in front of his wife and daughter. Pietro Ferrero worked at di Nuovo. He was tied behind a truck and dragged 500 meters by the fascists until disfigured and dead. The official death count was 11, with 10 wounded. However, Brandemard declared the death toll was 22. Two had escaped. Brandemard said... Following the cowardly attack against ours, we wanted to give an example, so that the communists understand that they do not attack the life of the fascists. I think this retaliation is right. We mercilessly hit those who provoked us. The communists are warned. We have a list of all of them, and if there are more serious incidents like this, we'll track them down and give more examples. By December 20th, 1922, the Turin massacre had ended. In 1924, assassins allegedly associated with Mussolini killed opposition socialist leader Giacomo Mattiati. He was thrown inside of a Lancia Lambda automobile and stabbed to death. During a speech on January 3, 1925, Mussolini declared himself the dictator of Italy. No institution opposed. Mussolini stated, Italy, gentlemen, wants peace, wants tranquility, wants work, wants calm, we will give it with love, if possible, or with force, if necessary." He became known to his followers as Il Duce, meaning the leader. On November 4, 1925, socialist Tito Zaniboni set up a sniper rifle in a hotel. He aimed at a balcony where Mussolini was to be giving a speech. Zaniboni was arrested just before Mussolini appeared. Many people believe Mussolini staged the assassination attempt to more easily consolidate power and enact laws, which he did just weeks later. Less than a year later, on April 7, 1926, Irish-Anglo woman Violet Gibson was in Rome, Italy. She had a rock in her pocket and a Model 1892 revolver, concealed in a black shawl. She also had the address of the fascist party headquarters written on an envelope scrap. Violet read in a newspaper that Mussolini would be there that afternoon to give a speech on modern medicine. As the speech convened, Mussolini walked through the crowd as they chanted, Viva il Duce. He stopped about a foot away from Violet as she fired at his head. The bullet grazed his nose as Mussolini was looking around as the shot was fired. With blood running down his face, she shot again but the gun misfired. Mussolini stumbled backwards but stayed on his feet. He said to the crowd, Don't be afraid. This is a mere trifle. Violet was grabbed by the crowd and beaten. The police took her away before she was lynched or beaten to death. Her fate then depended on if she was declared insane or not. After four months of interrogation and tests, she was declared a chronic paranoia. She was then sent to an asylum. Mussolini granted her release and she returned to Britain. The assassination attempt made Mussolini more popular. On September 11, 1926, in Rome, Gino Lucetti, who used the alias Ermeti Giovannini, threw a bomb at the Lancia Lambda automobile Mussolini was riding, en route from his house to his office. The bombing injured about eight people, but left Mussolini unharmed. The third assassination attempt on Mussolini happened in Bologna, Italy, on October 31, 1926. He had just delivered a speech at a medical conference and was riding in an open car red Alfa Romeo. At 5.40 p.m., the car slowed down to make a turn. As flowers fell from windows and spectators cheered, 15-year-old Antio Zamboni stepped out of the crowd. He pushed a soldier aside and shot at Mussolini with a Beretta gun. As the trigger was pulled and the bullet dispersed the chamber, Italian Marshal Vincenzo Aclevi hit Antio's arm down. The bullet made contact with the medallion Mussolini wore on his shoulder. It went through his jacket collar and hit the top hat of the Bologna mayor Umberto Puppini. The bullet ended up lodged in the padding of the car door. Among the first to grab Antio was a lieutenant of the 56th Infantry and several black shirt members. He was stabbed, beaten, and finally lynched to death by the angry mob. Mussolini enacted new legislation immediately following the assassination attempt. All the political parties and organizations who opposed his fascist regime were disbanded. The death penalty was also restored. The next month, he passed the state defense law, which created a special kangaroo-style court for those accused of being enemies of the state. Mussolini created the Organization for Vigilance and Repression of Anti-Fascism, known as O.V.R.A. They became the secret police of Italy in charge of controlling and preventing political dissent. They committed atrocious acts on behalf of Mussolini. They had files on about 130,000 enemies. By 1930, they conducted an estimated 20,000 raids per week. The Nazi party soon modeled their secret police, the Gestapo, after Mussolini's O.V.R.A. The O.V.R.A. were also responsible for spying on the Vatican and Pope Pius XI. The Roman Catholic Church worked with Mussolini. As a result, Mussolini wanted to keep tabs on them. They placed undercover O.V.R.A. members inside the Vatican and churches. Mussolini was keen on information regarding the abuse of boys and the homosexuality of the cleric. He then used this information to blackmail them. In 1936, both Mussolini and Hitler supported the nationalist forces and their leader, Francisco Francos, during the Spanish Civil War. The next year, Mussolini supported Hitler during his invasion of Austria. A mutual respect and admiration had formed between Mussolini and Hitler... Nazi Germany and fascist Italy became more united. On July 14, 1938, Mussolini imposed Italy's Manifesto of Race. It showed support for an Italian-German alliance mimicking many of the Nuremberg laws that Germany had introduced. This was the first time in 16 years of dictatorship that Mussolini created race laws. It declared Italians to be descendants of the Aryan race. Jews and non-Aryans were banned from many professions, including banking, government, and education. Sexual relations between Italians and Jews were prohibited. Many had their property confiscated and liquidated. The manifestos concluded race was purely biological and that there was a pure Italian race. The manifesto read, A distinction must be made between us of an Aryan origin and non-Aryans like Jews. The Jews do not belong to the Italian race. Pacifico was 17 years of age, slender and athletic. He worked at a clothing store when the race laws were introduced in 1938. With slicked back, dark black hair, he got the nickname Moretto, meaning "blacky. He dressed stylishly in elegant suits and smoked a pipe. After being fired from his job, he decided to join a boxing gym in Piazza Lovatelli in Rome. He joined with his friend, Angelo Di Porto. Pacifico continued to train outside of the boxing gym on the terrace of his house. One of the reasons Pacifico took up boxing was to defend against anti-Semitic and fascist bullies. His cousin, Leone Efredi, was six years older than him and already a successful boxer in Italy. He made his pro debut in 1935 and had six wins, two losses, and two draws in his first 10 matches. He was nicknamed Liletto. In 1938, he moved to the United States after briefly living in France. He hoped to advance his boxing career in America, and he did. His first fight was on September 30, 1938, against Gene Spencer in Chicago. The fight ended in a draw. However, by 1939, he was ranked the 10th featherweight in the world by the National Boxing Association. That year, he fought world featherweight champion Leo Rodek. The fight was close, but Liletto would lose a 10-round decision, nearly becoming the world champion. His last match in the United States was on November 16, 1939, losing to Jackie Calura. Liletto's professional record was 27 wins, 10 losses, and 12 draws. Italy declared all persons born in Italy living in the United States, even United States citizens, enemy aliens. Some of the temporary U.S. residents were exiled or given a chance to leave the country. It's not clear if Lilletto left under his own power or whether he was forced to return to Italy. He returned to Rome, a Jew under the new race laws. There he was restricted from most work, as well as from boxing. He continued to train while he sold laces on the streets to earn an income. Meanwhile, Pacifico organized members of the gym to protect schools, shops, and synagogues of the Jewish community. They were aggressive and proactive as they attacked anti-Semitic groups and organizations. They smashed their offices and seized their documents. Pacifico refused to give the Roman salute, a fascist greeting similar to the Nazi Heil Hitler. Pacifico was a Roman warrior, fearless and determined to fight against fascism. He was also now a talented boxer and was admired by the Jewish community as an anti-fascist hero. On May 22, 1939, Italy and Germany signed the Pact of Steel. This created a military alliance called the Axis Powers. Japan joined soon after. Just over a year later, Italy declared war on France and Britain. On June 10, 1940, Mussolini stated in a speech, According to the rules of fascist morals, when one has a friend, one marches with him to the end. This we have done and we will continue to do with Germany, her people, and her pacificus armed forces. More race laws were introduced by Mussolini throughout 1938 up until 1943. Laws included excluding Jews from attending school, doing politics, or public services. They were also prohibited from joining the army, owning businesses, or real estate. Jews had additional taxes to be paid. A government task force called the Defense of Race was tasked with census and demographic records. One day in July of 1943, Pacifico was approached while walking in the streets by a group of fascists. They menacingly asked why he didn't salute Il Duce. Pacifico responded, I've never done it, and I don't do it now. He then had a punch thrown at him, which he blocked and counter-striked, knocking his bully down. Two more men attacked him, but they were also knocked out. A large group of fascists gave chase as he ran away with his friend. Pacifico continually stood up to the street thugs, not afraid of fights or the prospect of being arrested. On July 25th, 1943, Italy was losing the war and Mussolini was voted out of power by his own grand council. General Pietro Badoglio, who wanted peace with the Allies, replaced him as the prime minister. Mussolini was sent to the island of La Maddalena and placed under house arrest. In September of 1943, Nazi paratroopers raided the Apennine Mountain ski resort, where Mussolini was being detained. They freed him from Italian imprisonment. Hitler then appointed Mussolini as the figurehead of the Social Republic of Italy, known informally as the Republic of Salo. Salo was a Nazi puppet state in German-occupied northern Italy, within the region of Lombardy. Mussolini held no control and was under house arrest by the Nazis. His travel and communications were restricted, and he was used to propagate the Nazi ideology to Italians. Italy entertained peace talks with the Allies, and Hitler retaliated by sending German forces into Italy. Mussolini retaliated as well by issuing the arrest of all the Jews in Italy. This resulted in thousands of Italian Jews being sent to concentration camps. Under German occupation, SS leader Karl Wolf oversaw the extermination of all Italian Jews. The Gestapo rewarded 5,000 lira, the annual salary of a worker, to anyone who turned in a Jew. One of the most infamous Nazi collaborators was Roman Jew Celeste di Porto, she was 18 years of age and worked as a waitress at the restaurant Il Fantino in Piazza Gedia. Celeste befriended fascists and Nazis. She spied on Jews and became known as the Black Panther. The restaurant was in the Jewish ghetto but was overtaken by the Germans. Patrons were now Nazis. Jews were forbidden, however, Pacifico often snuck in, elegantly dressed and confident, while he pretended to be an Italian fascist. He attempted to gather as much information as he could. Celeste became friendly with German troops and formed a romantic relationship with Roman fascist Vincenzo Antonelli. He belonged to a paramilitary group called the Polistrini e Bardi. It was controlled by the Gestapo. They operated raids, thefts, extortion, and specialized in hunting Jews. The Jews they detained, they sold to the SS. Vincenzo was one of the most avid Jew hunters in Rome. People in her neighborhood noticed her transformation from a derelict to an affluent. As a Jew, she was able to walk freely and posed great confidence. She wore fancy dresses. She spied on Jews for Vincenzo. She stopped to talk to someone in the street, and shortly after, that person would be arrested. In retaliation to an attack carried out by the Roman resistance in which explosives killed 33 Germans, Celeste reported the hiding places of 26 Jews. They were captured and executed in what would be known as the massacre of the Fosse Ardiatini. In the massacre, German troops rounded up and killed over 335 Italian citizens. Heinrich Himmler, the second most powerful German Nazi behind Hitler, told SS Herbert Kapler, the commander of the Gestapo in Rome, all Jews, regardless of nationality, age, sex and status, must be transferred to Germany and liquidated there. Pacifico was arrested and imprisoned in Tasso, Italy. He was frequently beaten and tortured. They asked him for the names of other Jews and the addresses, but he refused to give them the information. He managed to escape by flipping an office desk and running out. He was arrested again in Farnese, and miraculously escaped once again by jumping out of a second-floor window while inside the barracks. He was arrested yet again and sent to Regina Celli Prison, where over 1,000 Jews were imprisoned. A Jewish census made it easier for Italian fascists to hunt down and persecute Jews. One day, Pacifico managed to steal the prison keys. He then opened several of the cells. He was caught, and the Nazis beat him badly for days. Pacifico eventually used a wooden spoon to break out of his cell and escape the prison. The spoon was engraved with the name Ada, his Jewish friend from Rome. Pacifico was enjoying his freedom by Ilfantino when he was grabbed by two SS officers and forced into a car. The car drove down a deserted road and eventually stopped. One soldier got out with a shovel and was about to dig a grave. The other was armed with a machine gun. Knowing he was about to be shot and buried, Pacifico picked up a wrench and threw it at the back of the German's head with the machine gun. Pacifico leapt out of the car and escaped back to German-occupied Rome, secretly living there with Ada. Fortunata di Segni, a.k.a. Ada, was born in 1929, Rome. When she was 13, she was kicked out of school for being Jewish due to race laws. She read and studied and taught herself at home. She was a fierce opponent of fascism, much like Pacifico. She received another nickname, Anita Geribaldi, after the Brazilian Republican revolutionary and soldier. Soon everyone called her Anita. As Nazis and fascists hunted down Jews in Rome, Pacifico decided to hunt them down. He trained with rifles and pistols he stole from German troops, but often killed with his hands or low-grade weaponry such as tools. Often by his side helping him was Anita and sometimes his cousin Leleto. They witnessed firsthand the wrath Pacifico imposed on Nazis and were convinced he would never be captured. The SS displayed posters that warned that for every Nazi killed by the resistance, 10 Italians would be killed. This acted as a deterrence for many, but not for Pacifico, who continued to terrorize Nazi troops. On October 13, 1943, Italy officially signed an agreement to become part of the Allied forces. This posed new problems for Hitler and Germany. The following day, SS Kapler ordered the two libraries of the Jewish community and of the Rabbinical College to be looted. The SS agents confiscated the complete list of names and addresses of Roman Jews. A battle erupted between German and Italian civilians. 597 Italians died trying to protect Rome. At 5.15 a.m. on October 16, 1943, the day of the Jewish holiday Sukkot, the raid of the ghetto of Rome occurred when the Nazis invaded the streets with approximately 365 German soldiers. Approximately 10,000 Jews lived in Rome at the time. Pacifico was with some friends on a trip to La Marche, a mountainous region in eastern Italy. He learned of the roundup in Rome and decided to return to the city. The Nazis blocked road entrances and exits, creating a cage around the Jewish community. Over 1,250 Jews were arrested and loaded into convoy trucks. They arrived at a military school collection center. Around 237 people were set free because they were not Jewish. Perhaps Vatican nationality, Aryan household staff, or subtenants. Two days later, on October 18th at 2.05 p.m., 18 sealed cattle wagons left for Auschwitz from Tiburtina train station. There were 1,024 Jews on board, including over 200 children. After a four-day, grueling train journey, 820 of them were killed upon arrival. Most of the women and children were sent to the gas chambers immediately. Only 16 survived the Holocaust, and only one woman, Satimia Spizzicino. The Nazis prepared a death march that Satimia was to be part of. The soldier on guard with a turret, maddened, began shooting at the prisoners. Satimia hid in a pile of corpses and remained there for several days until liberation. In Rome, during the German occupation, a total of 2,091 Jews were sent to concentration camps. Only 101 survived. Pacifico, Anita, and Moretto all survived the raid of the ghetto of Rome. Pacifico remained in Rome, taking part of a daily rebellion against the Nazis. He was one of very few Jews left in the city by the end of 1943. Roman Catholic priest Rufino Nicacci and bishop Giuseppe Placido Nicolini, with the help of others, saved approximately 300 Italian Jews at this time. They provided false identities and gave them safe homes inside convents in Assisi, Italy. Giovanni Baromio was the head surgeon and director of a Catholic hospital in Rome. He and a priest named Father Maurizio hid Jews and anti-fascist rebels in the hospital. Romeo falsified paperwork to pass Jews as Catholics. In a secret basement, he listened to a radio that intercepted German signals. He used the information he gathered to protect the Jews, and he passed the information on to the Italian forces, who were now allies. The SS showed up to detain the Jewish patients, but were stopped and told by the hospital staff that they had syndrome K. Similar to tuberculosis, they were told it was highly contagious and could cause death. In reality, there was no such thing as Syndrome K. It had been made up in an attempt to save the Jews from deportation, and it worked. The Nazis left and never returned. Syndrome K was named after German commander Albert Kesselring, one of the leaders of the invasion on Italy. The implication was that he was the real illness of the country, It's estimated hundreds of lives were saved due to syndrome K. The Nazis continued to round up Jews throughout Italy and deported them to concentration camps. Trieste was a northeastern Italian city under German occupation. Between October 1943 and March 1944, The Nazis sent 25,000 Jews, about one-quarter of the population, to the concentration camp Riziera di San Saba, which was located in Trieste. Approximately 4,000 prisoners were killed there, while many others were deported to Auschwitz. March 24, 1944, in an act of retaliation for a resistance bombing the day prior, the SS detained 335 Italian citizens, including 75 Roman Jews. Their hands were tied behind their backs and they were marched to the Diatini Caves, in ancient Christian catacombs where man-made caves laid. By orders of Kesselring and Kapler, SS captains Eric Priebke and Karl Haas forced the prisoners to kneel in rows of five. They then had them shot in the head rather than executed by firing squad. They attempted to save ammunition with resources dwindling at this point of the war. Once the mass execution was over, they exploded the entrance of the cave, trapping and killing any survivors while hiding the mass grave. The event became known as the Ardia Massacre. In April of 1944, Pacifico was arrested once again, this time along with his cousin, Lileto, and Lileto's seven-year-old son, Romolo. They were put in a convoy, presumably being transported to the rail station where they were likely to be sent to Auschwitz. While driving slowly through the winding and narrow Civita Castellano streets, Pacifico told Lileto to throw his son out the truck in an attempt to save him from the death camps. Lileto then threw Romalo out the truck and began to run away. Pacifico and Lileto then shouted in a panic, planes, signaling an Allied air attack. As the Nazis looked up in distraction, Pacifico punched a guard and jumped out of the vehicle. Lileto followed right behind him. The Nazis started shooting as they ran away into the forest and escaped back to Rome. Romalo was safe and ended up in Trastevere, where he eventually reunited with his family. Lileto would be detained less than a month later. This time he was not arrested with his cousin Pacifico, but with his brother. They were deported to Auschwitz, where he was discovered as a professional boxer and forced to box in fights to the death. Despite frequently being matched against opponents who were much larger, he won all of his fights. His opponents, the losing boxers, were shot dead. One day he found out his brother was beaten nearly to death by a capo. Lileto got visibly angry, which angered the SS guard. He was then beaten bloody and knocked out by the guards. Nearly lifeless, he was sent to a Benzi concentration camp, a subcamp of the larger Mauthausen concentration camp in Austria. He died there between April 16th and 17th of 1945. In 1944, Pacifico joined the Action Party, an anti-fascist Italian group. He was sent to Ponte Subliccio in Rome to stop Germans from placing mines there. When the Allied troops entered Rome in June of 1944, Pacifico met with them and ended up fighting for them. His main task was hunting down German snipers in the city. In January 1945, still in Lombardy under house arrest, Mussolini stated, I am little more than a corpse. I am finished. My star has fallen. I have no fight left in me. I await the end of the tragedy. By April 1945, Germany was losing ground in Italy. On April the 25th, Mussolini was sent to Milan to meet with a delegation of partisans. There he learned the Nazis had started to surrender. The end of the war was imminent. Mussolini and his 33-year-old mistress, Clara Petacci fled in their 1939 Alfa Romeo towards Switzerland, planning to then fly to Spain. Clara refused to leave his side. En route, they joined a convoy of German soldiers and Italian fascists. Mussolini was given a German Luftwaffe helmet and coat. Two days later, on April 27th, the convoy encountered an army of partisans by Dongo in Lake Como. They were all detained. Mussolini was recognized by them and arrested, along with Clara. They were hidden in a remote farmhouse for the evening, and the following day, driven nearby to the small village of Gellino. Mussolini, Clara, and around 13 others were placed in front of a stone wall and executed by a firing squad. On April 29th, Mussolini's corpse, along with 15 other executed fascists, were placed into a truck and driven to Milan. There they were dumped on ground in the public square of Piazzelli Loretto. Eight months earlier, at this exact location, the SS and Italian fascists displayed 15 executed partisans. Amongst Mussolini's corpse was the dead body of Fernando Mezzasoma, the minister of popular culture and propaganda. A large crowd formed around the dead bodies. People were shouting, spitting, and throwing objects at the corpses. One woman said Mussolini wasn't dead enough and shot him five times with a pistol. Five shots for my five assassinated sons, she cried. Mussolini, Clara, and five others were hung upside down by their ankles from the rafters of an Esso gas station. They ensued the wrath of the crowd. By the time the American troops dispersed the mob and removed the bodies, Mussolini was hardly recognizable. In Milan, Italy, after two decades of swaggering, the inventor of fascism, Benito Mussolini, lay dead at the hands of the Italian people with his henchmen and his mistress. The following day on April 30th, 1945, around 2.30 p.m., Hitler and his wife Eva Braun committed suicide. Hitler with a gunshot to the temple and Braun with cyanide poisoning. On May 8, 1945, the war in Europe ended with Germany's surrender. By September 2nd, 1945, Japan had surrendered and World War II was officially over. An estimated 10,000 Italian Jews out of 55,000 were deported to concentration camps. Over 7,500 died. At around 80%, Italian Jews' survival rate was much higher than other European countries. In comparison, the Netherlands' survival rate was 33%, Hungary, 22 and Poland, 10 Pacifico and Anita's love blossomed post-war. Together in a liberated city of rubble, They cleaned up the great synagogue that was destroyed by the Nazis. They helped reconstruct the Jewish community and the city of Tunis. In March of 1947, Pacifico testified at the trial of Celeste de Porto, the Black Panther. On his way to the stand, he noticed one of his torturers and punched him in the face. Celeste was sent to prison for seven years. Pacifico went on to protect the community from the leftover fascist attacks. These continued into the 1960s. He recruited volunteers to help his fight. Pacifico and Anita got married and had a son named Alberto. He became a security guard in Rome, where he died at the age of 85 on December 31st, 2006. He was buried in Verano, Northern Italy. His last words were, Make a mess. He was elected to the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in 2000. His wife Anita passed away in 2018 at the age of 90 and was buried next to Pacifico. As of January 28, 2020, Romolo Afredi was alive and giving inspirational speeches. For listening to this episode. Please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend. You can send any questions, corrections, and comments to Holocausthistories at gmail.com.